I echo the sentiments tonight of the visitors that are visiting with us and all that are here that even Bruce came um, because he didn't read the bulletin, I think. If you'll turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23, we'll be starting there. When we think of ourselves day to day, we all make decisions or choices. And some of these decisions are very simple. It's when we get up, what we're going to eat, uh, what time to go to work. They sometimes get a little more complicated when we decide we want to get a car and what are we going to spend. And a house is even higher on the list. And those that are thinking about going to college, you've got to make a decision where you're going to go. And even those that are thinking about going to work, you, you've got to figure out where you want to work. But none of these decisions are as important as the decisions we're going to talk about tonight. When you think about these decisions, if you remember that Joshua in Numbers chapter 14 he and Caleb were the only ones that gave a, the correct report, that followed God, that said, God can help us, God can do this. And when we look at Joshua 1.5, he's the leader. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I will be with you, I will not leave you or forsake you. Then as you go farther in Joshua, he says, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. About six weeks ago, Leland, on Wednesday night, asked the congregation or the people that were out here studying in the adult auditorium if they had this particular verse in their house. I didn't see the hands raised, I was reading. But he again made reference to a verse that we'll talk about in just a second, just a couple of weeks ago in his sermon. And I want us to go to that verse and we're going to study it tonight. And you will know what I'm talking about. In Joshua 24, 15, Joshua asked them to make a choice. He says, and if it seems, and I'm reading out of the New King James, and this is New King James up here. If it seems evil to you, serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want us to look at three things about this verse and... and make it relate to us involving decisions. The first one is to choose who you will serve. When you look at those words, it doesn't say if you're going to serve. It says who are you going to serve. So there has to be a choice. Now, some people will say, well, I'm serving the Lord by just being here. Or some will say and have reasons 
that they're really not serving the Lord. And one of the reasons could be that when you think about serving the Lord, you have to think of it as an intense decision. A decision that I've put up here as profound, that's intense, thorough, and complete. And when you think of that, you're saying, who will I serve? Well, some people choose other things. I put a scripture up here from the Old Testament. And we know that the temple was going to be built and David wanted to build it. But instead, the Lord said, Solomon will build it because you're a man of blood and you can't build it. So we see David giving good advice to his son. He says, as for you, my son Solomon, know the Lord, the God of your father, and serve him with a loyal heart, with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you out forever. So here is a a thought that says a loyal heart, serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. So if we choose to, to have this service for God, to make that decision, he's giving him some good advice, isn't he? Well, when we look a little farther, there's times that people are not going to make that decision to follow the Lord. We know from studying the Sermon on the Mount that in chapter 6 and verse 24, you can't serve two masters. Probably there's people in here that have had two bosses, maybe even three. And it doesn't work well, does it? You see such words in 624 of hate and love, loyalty and despise in the New King James. And then it says, you can't serve God and mammon. And I put God and money or wealth. A real interesting person wrote up there that says, you can't choose between God and assets. What we own, material blessings. And when you think of this, there are some people in the world that will make the decision to choose this way rather than the way of the Lord. I put in the next particular instance an easy thing for us to remember that when you look at Mark chapter 10, and I put on there 17 through 22, we won't read all those, but here is Jesus and this rich young ruler that is probably listed at the top of this runs to Jesus. He kneels down. So number one, he's gone to the right person. We all would agree with that. There's some humility there because he kneels down. And then the next thing he does, he says, what should I do? Or what can I do to do what? To inherit eternal life. Important question. Three things he's done pretty good, hadn't he? The Lord looks at him and says, Well, you need to keep these commandments. Don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't murder, 
uh, so-and-so and, and honor thy father and mother. Understandable. He says, I've kept these since I've been a young fella. This particular section about the rich young ruler says that the Lord looked at him and loved him. And then he said, you lack one thing. He says, go sell what you have. Again, I'm paraphrasing since we're not reading it. Give to the poor and you'll, you'll receive riches in heaven, won't you? And that's all he said, isn't it? No, that's not what all he said. He says, sell to the poor. You'll have riches in heaven. Pick up your cross and do what? Follow me. Christ said that. When he said that to him, things changed. But the Lord told him what he needed, didn't he? And he went away sorrowful, or it might say in yours that he was grieved, that he grieved about it because he had great possessions. He didn't want to serve the Lord. What did he want to serve? His possessions, his money. And we don't know what happened. But you know, Jesus said he loved him still. When you think of this, we also see people in this particular situation that when you turn to Romans 6, let's turn to that, Romans 6 and verse 16, Romans 6, 16. We know that as we turn to Romans 6, it's an important chapter that talks about being baptized in Jesus Christ, buried with him in baptism, raised to, to new. But it also talks about service. In verse 16, it says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are the ones slaves whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness? Verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So we can make those decisions to say, I'm going to serve sin and be a slave to sin, or you can choose to be a slave of righteousness. The issue boils down to coming back to the Sermon on the Mount that there's two paths, aren't there? Wide path. It's open for everybody, narrow path for those that want to go to heaven. It's kind of an easy choice, isn't it? Well, when you look at Psalms 100 verse 2, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Leland had a message this morning that said, We need to think about a great day and about being prepared to be here to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord. And it says, Serve in gladness. Well, if we go a little bit farther so that we don't go to 8.30 tonight, I'm just kidding. We come back here to our main verse. We've looked at serving the Lord that you'll make a decision. Not if, but who. It's not going to be a decision that you can say, well, you know, I'll, I'll choose something else for right now and get to it. He addresses that in here too. And the words is that he says, choose today. And I call that 
a time stamp that says we need to be thinking about this all the time. And the way I labeled it is that it's an immediate decision. Our first one was profound. It was important that we choose who we serve. The second part of it is this day, which means immediate, meaning you can't put it off, can you? Well, there are people in the world today that put it off by making excuses, don't they? Well, I was busy. Had other things going on. Well, when you look at one of the Old Testament books, 1 Kings 18 and verse 21, Elijah did the same thing. He says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And you see what happened. The people answered not a word. They're not going to make a decision. They're going to continue to falter. Well, when we carry this for us to think about it, turn to Acts 26, because I think sometimes we, we know that the good song leaders like we had tonight will sing a song almost persuaded sometimes. And we've seen the words, we've, we've uh, thought of the words, and you think of it when Paul's in front of King Agrippa, and you look at verse 27 of Acts 26, and it says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. No doubt in my mind you believe. And then in verse 28, that's the verse that we refer to. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. And I think the song says almost but lost, doesn't it? But I think sometimes for timing, we forget verse 29. Verse 29 says, and Paul said, I would to God that not only you, being Agrippa, but also all who hear me when today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for the chains, except for him being handcuffed and everything. He's saying, today is the day. I'm hoping that other people would listen, but it's apparent they're not. Well, when you go back to Luke and look at Luke 14, Another familiar passage, and this is more or less looking at the excuses, but here is the parable of the Great Supper. And we've seen before that Jesus in this chapter, or it's said, for whoever exalt himself will be abased. And then it comes down to verse 13. It says, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And then when you start the parable in verse 15, now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard him, heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat the bread of the kingdom of God. And we see that the feast is ready, but they all made excuses. 
One made an excuse that I bought a piece of land. I need to go check it out. I'm paraphrasing. Another one says, I've got five yoke of oxen. That's a pretty good bit of oxen to go test them or to check them out. And one says, I've married. And those have been compared to the land being material or what we would call our wealth. The oxen have been compared to business of making sure you can produce things and sell it or whatever. And then being married is the personal part that says, you know, my personal side's important. And all of them made excuses. And when you come down to the very end of, of that particular parable in 24, for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, they're not saying that when these people that were invited that didn't come, that others won't be invited. And it doesn't say here that because of the anger of those people not coming, others were invited. Because the Lord wants everybody to be saved, doesn't he? He invites everybody to the feast, Jew and Gentile, doesn't he? And, and the other part is, is when you look at this, he's, he's also saying that the host isn't going to wait forever because there'll be others invited, won't they? And with these others invited, you might not get a chance. And it's something we need to think about, don't we? About making excuses. If you stay in Luke and you go to Luke 9 and 57, just a few chapters back um, in Luke 9 at the very end about, some have said about the cost of discipleship, uh, making excuses, and... um, Someone came to him and says, I'll follow you wherever you go, and you know what happens. Jesus says, fox have holes, verse 58. Birds have the air nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere. And he says, follow me. And in my version, it says, let me first go. Let me first go. And I think sometimes, I know I have, I've read over that and not seen it, but he says, Let me first go and take care of the dead. Now, Jesus wasn't being upset with this, but he knew what was going on. And he said, let the dead bury the dead. When you go a little farther, it says, another one came, and I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell to my house. And then we have an interesting verse that we all refer to in verse 62, and it says, But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, we, we remember about people turning around in, in Luke 17 and 32, a very short verse. It says, Remember Lot's wife, because she turned around. She wanted the old way, 
She wasn't willing to go forward. She was taking the time to change. Are we doing that? Are we not taking advantage of the time? In 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, it says, We then as workers, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In just a few minutes, we're going to give you time to make that decision. Just like every time that we say that we have an invitation to invite you into the Lord's kingdom. But he says, now is the day of of salvation. Well, so far, we've gotten, you know, who are we going to serve? Not if, but who. Second thing is, we looked at, at the immediate side of it that says, choose you this day who you will serve. And then the last part of it is, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you think about this, it's saying that Joshua is the head of his house. That Joshua is saying that his house is ready to serve the Lord, and that's what they're going to do. And I call this influential as part of this verse that says, me and my house. And what it says to us is your influence, your decision will influence others. And when you think of that, it's not only family members, but young people in the congregation that are thinking about obeying the gospel They're looking at others. And we're in a world today that if we use the label Christian, who's looking at us? Everybody. And sometimes our influence is such that they change, don't they? But that influence has to start with serving God, doesn't it? When you look at that, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And we know that in Deuteronomy 6, 5, here it is important that it's all your heart, all your soul. But it's interesting that it says we need to influence our family, don't we? It says you shall teach them diligently to who? To your children. In Deuteronomy 6 and verse 7. And we have to think about that as husbands and fathers and heads of of the family like Joshua did, that he made the decision and he influenced his children and thought about his family. Well, when you look at this, in Genesis chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, we all know that Noah was a good guy. He was a just man and he walked with God. And here he is building this big boat. And he spent years building it. But it says in 2 Peter 2 and verse 5 that he was a preacher of righteousness. 
Well, when you go back up and say that he walked with God, that doesn't mean that he just came in here into the building and walked a little bit. That's a way of life, isn't it? It's, it's a way of life that says God is more important. I want him right here. You know, I want Jesus right here as an advocate. It means that it was a way of life. And you can imagine how many people he talked to. We're not told. But how many went into the ark? <laughs> Just the family, didn't it? Just the family was his influence. And you can imagine, and I know we're not told in the scriptures, but you know that they saw him preaching to these people. But their intent was not to do right, was it? It was evil continually. But he tried. And we see what happens. Well, when you turn to John chapter 1 and look at 40 and 41, there's an instance of a man here that didn't write a book of the Bible. He didn't preach a sermon on a Sunday night that everybody recorded. He didn't, he wasn't ever known as a leader. He wasn't really that big of a deal. But when he saw John the Baptist and Jesus, it says in these verses that he went to his brother, I'm paraphrasing, went to his brother Hal first. What did he do? He went and got Peter. It's Andrew I'm talking about. Andrew went and got Peter and he just said, we found a Messiah, we'll check you later. No. He took Peter with him to Jesus. And here we see an issue that says, it's not about me, it's about what I can do to influence others too, isn't it? If my service is correct. And he says, we found the Messiah. When we think about that, our influence is a lot more than what we think when we're standing around and we're a Christian and we're talking to people and they know it, that we're a Christian. What is our influence? Joshua said, but for me and my family, we're going to serve God. In 2 Kings 20 and verse 15, Isaiah asked Hezekiah, he says, what have they seen in your house? You know, that's a, that's a statement, and I'm taking it out of context, but it's saying to you and I, for our example, what do they see in our house? <laughs> do, do they see that we study the Bible? Do they see that we're concerned about being here like um, Leland talked about this morning and about worshiping God? in spirit and in truth? If not, we need to change things, don't we? When we think about it and we know that people are looking, we come down to the bottom line that it's decision time. And when I say decision time, now it says you got to choose. you got to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? It's not if, it's who. So we understand that. We understand that it's an immediate choice because it said, choose this day. 
And we understand that it can influence not only our family, but others. So what's your decision? You've got a chance, don't you, today to make that choice. You know, if, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you're willing to confess him, repent of your sins, change your life, follow him completely, it's a commitment, isn't it? It's a commitment that says, I'm going to follow the Lord. It's not always going to be easy because the Lord said, Sermon on the Mount, that that path is narrow and the way is difficult. But we do it together, don't we? If you need to obey the gospel tonight and you think today is the day, we're here to help you. If you'll come forward right now while we sing the invitation song.